Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 431 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight we are doing our deep dive episode. This is our long topic. It'll be a single topic. And tonight it's a topic that is a single application. Bill is going to tell you a lot more about that application. But before he does, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So while I had to pretty much plow through the last deep dive, Bill is going to be the one plowing through this deep dive. So if you don't like the sound of Bill's voice, you might as well just turn us off now and come back for the next one. But <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. I know it's horrible, but, you know, I get to poke fun at you because it's my show. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's go ahead and get into it. This this is I have a I have a. A couple of choice things to say about the application a little bit later on in the show but we're going to get to the good stuff first and bill's going to tell you all about it yes i'm sure you'll interject appropriately when uh when or, you say inappropriately. no, no <laughs> absolutely not so uh, we're talking about tonight is uh, sdr plus plus uh the quote the bloat free sdr software and uh, we had mentioned this uh, a few episodes ago as uh, something to try out. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so we got a chance to uh, kind of dig into the software a little bit. And we kind of wanted to share that with uh, with you all if you uh, want to stay here with my voice, you know, instead of fast forwarding to the end, <laughs> to the credits. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what SDR++ is, it is a cross-platform and open-source SDR software with the aim of being bloat-free and simple to use. Uh, features include wide hardware support, both through Soapy SDR and dedicated modules, um, including, like, Blade RF, AirSpy, SDR Play, uh, HackRF, and a bunch of other ones that you can use. Um, S1 SIMD accelerated DSP, uh, cross platform for Windows, Linux, OS X, and, uh, I guess that'd be Mac OS nowadays, and, uh, BSD, which is basically Mac OS with <laughs> something on top of it, uh, and a full waterfall update when possible <clears throat> makes browsing signals easier and more pleasant. Well, don't we all like the waterfalls because they look so pretty? Um, basically, eye candy. It, we love the eye candy, right? I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> it is pretty sexy. I mean, if we were going to put a, a sexy scale on it, it definitely looks really good in a uh, in a dark mode. But let's talk a little bit about getting it. Um, so, in order to find this software, it's not in your repo uh, unless you're a, a special user. Uh, but we'll get to that as well. Um, it is something that you actually have to go to their uh, their GitHub site and download. 
They do have tagged releases. And inside the tagged releases, they have builds for uh, Bullseye for Debian, Buster for Debian, Sid for Debian, uh, an AMD 64 package for Mac OS. So I'm assuming that that means there's no ARM package for M1. Uh, it probably runs fine through Rosetta, probably, right? Um, uh, Ubuntu, they have Focal build, a Groovy build, a Hirsute, Hirsute build. And for Windows, they have an X64 build. So if you have any of those systems, in theory, you should be able to load the package and run with it. So that's where you'll find your download. The latest release is 1.0.3. Uh, I know uh, based on being part of the Discord channel over there that they're definitely trying to get 1.04 out the door, but uh, they're having some build issues. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we can share with you some build issues that we had. Um, let me uh, go back up here to the notes before I get totally off board here. So, yeah, so if you have one of the installables... It may or may not work for you. Um, Windows, it works. I did test that out. Um, Ubuntu LTS build, which is Focal Fossa, right? That worked fine uh, when I was running elementary OS. Uh, I believe you tried Hirsute, the dev package, and you had no success. Well, it installed. I mean, I had success <laughs> as far as that goes. But when I tried to fire it up, it would not load. It locks up with an error that says, uh, hash collision, fatal error. And then it just sits there and doesn't do anything. And you S-traced it and couldn't figure out what it was causing. It I have not S-traced it yet. I, w I was working on building it on another machine first to see if I <sighs> if the problem was replicatable, which apparently it is. So <laughs> so you jump right on me with S-trace, but when I do you, you're like, oh, I didn't try it yet. <laughs> Hey, back off. <laughs> I see how it is. Um, as, as you heard, there is no Fedora build. Um, I did give this a go on my Fedora 34 installation that I'm using for our YouTube little videos. And uh, I have some bad news to report to you. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I kind of fumbled my way through getting it to build. I had problems building even libRTL SDR, which was really weird because I had it built in, in the libraries and it wouldn't detect it on compile. And uh, I did eventually get it to compile with enough option flags that turned everything off except for file source and uh, uh, SOAPY SDR source. And that finally did build and that did run um, for a little while. <laughs> somehow between closing it down, opening it back up and closing it down and messing around with settings and stuff like that. Apparently I put a, 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 a setting in there that it didn't like, and then it would bomb out on uh pipe wire. So it was, it was quite unhappy on Fedora. And since I couldn't do libRTLSDR directly, I couldn't actually engage the uh, direct sampling mode, which would enable me to actually hear HF on it. But uh, the good news is I've totally borked my install now, <laughs> messing around with this. So, uh, yeah, we might not see the Fedora 34 machine on the uh, videos, but uh, I do have some really great news about Arch. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I quickly and rapidly installed uh, Arch on my other machine. I have my Dell Precision that was going to get redone anyway. 
So I took a quick stab at it earlier today while uh, while uh, we were having a cigar on uh, Discord and uh, burned up the KDE Dragonized version of uh, Garuda Linux. And after building the bazillion packages for uh, <laughs> for the update, <laughs> I installed the first thing I installed was SDR++ from the uh, Arch package repository or the AUR, the Arch, what do they call it? AUR? Application user repository or something. I can't remember what the heck it stands for. Anyway, uh, so they have a package called SDRPP-GIT. Uh, I know we always tell you on Arch systems to avoid the GITs, but this is a good one because <laughs> it installed and it installed with everything. So, uh, you know, the, when you go in there and install it, it'll ask you if you wanted the optional packages. And I said, yes, I want to install everything because I want to see this thing break. And unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, depending upon which side of the fence you are on for Arch, uh, it worked perfectly and beautifully. <laughs> so, so definitely works well for there, and they recommend that uh, Arch uh, um, repository on their GitHub site. As I'm uh, just looking at, I believe they even give you a link right to it. Uh, yeah, Arch-based. Use the SDRPP-GIT package. So that's how you'll get it if you're uh, running Arch Windows again. Download the uh, zip file. It's an EXE inside of a folder. So you'll need to navigate that folder wherever you want to install it. And then inside there, you'll see that SDRPP.EXE file. You know, create a shortcut to that or however you wish to execute that in the future. And for Mac OS, I, I don't really care about you people. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm assuming it has some kind of whatever the Mac app app image type format thingy, and you just drag it into your programs and you're off to the races. Um, but I don't have a Mac, so at least not one that runs Mac. So I can't tell you that experience. Maybe Russ eventually will test that out, or in theory. <laughs> maybe, maybe something, yeah. Maybe someday, not not this time. He didn't have time to build it on his. Uh, didn't want to destroy his M1 with uh, with the software here. <laughs> so so yeah. So we covered the release builds. One dot zero dot three. There we go. All right. So if you're lucky enough, when you double click the icon or go in your console and type SDRPP and press enter, um, if you're lucky enough that the GUI pops up, you're greeted with. Uh, well, my screen, it's dark. It does have two modes, I believe. You can see it in light mode as well. Uh, I choose not to use light mode. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's in dark mode for me. But uh, basically, it comes up just like most of the other SDR apps. It doesn't start anything because it assumes that you need to do some configuring. But basically, it, it starts up as a top bar. A left-hand control panel that basically has all your controls for setting up your SDR application. And on the right side, you have waterfall controls. So I'll just go quickly across the top just to describe uh, what we have here. So across the top, you have uh, a little hamburger menu or whatever you like calling the three dashes. Um, that will basically shrink and hide your control panel on your left-hand side of the screen. Um, you have a play button for actually starting your SDR. That's very common to see the play button uh, be used to engage the SDR to start doing its stuff. Uh, volume control, frequency readout, and control there where you can uh, use your mouse or number pad or whatever you want to do to uh, actuate the frequency directly. Uh, and a signal meter. And then for your waterfall controls, which, of course, at the top you have a box that is the signal uh, what do they call that? The signal. Um, I'm sorry, I tuned out five minutes ago. 
Yeah, what do you call the top? Yeah, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> what do you call the top part? It's not the bottom part's the waterfall. The top part is like the signal to noise graph representation thing. I can never remember like what that's called. Like the scope or whatever. Or- yeah, yeah, like your band scope. That's what I'm thinking of. It looks like your band scope. So, uh, so you can kind of see your noise floor and all the signals across your noise floor and everything else like that. Um, and you can control like, uh, you know, where the noise floor looks in the display, which also impacts, uh, you know, how, how dense, uh, your waterfall looks like if you have a lot of noise, you can reduce it down, kind of take the waterfall and just control the level of signal you have hitting the waterfall. So you can discern signals better out of the noise instead of just seeing a big white screen or something like that. <laughs> that looks like it's all noise with a few speckles of signal in there. But anyway, that's kind of like a, the layout that you get. You get just, it's all waterfall signal scope or band scope. And then uh, the controls are on the side. So if you've got it installed and you installed all the right modules, I'm going to hit stop on mine so I can see all the buttons on the, you have several widgets or control boxes in your controls. Uh, the very top one is called source. And inside the source is actually where you establish what device you're actually going to be controlling with your, with your software here. And like I said, uh, I installed everything with mine. So I, I mean, I don't get the SDR with it, so they won't work. Uh, but, uh, yeah, installed, uh, AirSpy, AirSpy HF plus, HackRF, Pluto SDR, RTL SDR, RTL T at TCP. If you're going to use your RTL on a network device, uh, SOPI SDR and Spy Server. And then once you engage your source, so like I'm going to select RTL SDR because that's what I have. Um, your device should appear in the next box down, which actually is your device selection box. Uh, if your device does not show up, you either don't have it plugged in or you don't really have support for it on your system. Uh, hopefully you do. Um, so you can go to the next step. <laughs> so uh, the next step is uh, uh, selecting how much, uh, how much signal you're going to bring in. Um, I just have mine set at one megahertz just because that's enough. It makes it fast enough so it uh, can process. All the, okay, there's my notification that the podcast is starting. Let me uh, turn <laughs> off the sound. <laughs> Told you, always an hour in, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So you have your your sample, your sampling, uh, and then on mine because I have a direct sampling feature on uh, on the device itself. I actually actually has a drop down here to flip it between direct sampling and and regular or disabled. Um, for the RTL SDR, if you disable it, you get basically from six megahertz up. And then if you want HF, you enable direct sampling. And, uh, on this option, you actually select the Q branch as your uh, direct sampling method. And then you can, uh, get down and hear HF signals. Um, and this is all on that little $30 dongle from, uh, RTL SDR.com that you can get off of Amazon for yeah 30 bucks. Um, Pretty cool device just to play with if you want to play with all the software and stuff like that. Uh, they also have PPM correction. Uh, I don't use any of that. You have a gain button or a gain slider. Uh, then the next options are going to be all different based upon your device. Uh, you know, mine shows a, a bias T offset tuning RTL RTL AGC for you know auto gain control, uh, tuner auto gain control, IQ correction, all this, all this other stuff. In general. I just basically click the RTL auto gain control and that's it. <laughs> so uh, your mileage may vary based upon your device. 
um, as well. If you have to set an offset or something like that for your device, it'll be different. But there's there's some other options there to tweak. Um, once you've got your device set up, literally at that point, you can actually just hit the play button, which I'm just going to do now because it's fun to hit play and watch the stuff move around on the screen. And at this point, you should see stuff hopefully moving around. You might have to move into a band that actually has some signal and stuff like that. Like I'm sitting right in the FM portion of the band, and and I can see that, uh, yeah, it has. Um, I have, uh, I have uh, a signal coming in there. So that's working fine. Uh, let's see here. The next tab is the radio tab. So this is kind of like your control of the radio um, inside of that. Uh, and that basically allows you to select your mode, whether you use narrow FM, wide FM, AM, dual sideband, CW, upper sideband, lower sideband, or raw, whatever raw may be. Maybe you're pulling some signal off there or something like that and inspecting it with some other program. Um, so, and the, once you select a mode, it does default some settings for you, like uh, it has a, a filter width that it assumes that it starts with, like for CW, it uses a, a 200 uh, hertz filter for USB 3000, um, you know, pretty standard stuff. And then you can adjust all that as well. And as well, it also provides a squelch control in there. So that's the radio control. Uh, the next control is the recorder control. And this is uh, basically allows you to record <laughs> what you hear. So. Yeah, we can hear some static. There's some static. Just want to make sure that was working. Um, yeah, you can record some static, or you can record whatever you want, um, basically off of that. And the nice part is there's also a level setting for that. So if you want that to be recorded at a lower volume or whatever, you can do that. Um, you record the audio, or you can actually record the bass band. So you can actually record the raw signals across your uh, signal, um, your signal sample. Uh, for the duration of the time that you have the record going. So you can play that file back inside your SDR player, which is kind of cool because you can listen to a different part of the same segment of band that you were sucking in to your window, um, which is kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, so that's the recorder. Uh, the next one is the frequency manager, which is really, really cool. Um, this, a lot of, a lot of SDR software has a feature called, you know, I don't know, bookmarking or something like that, where you can, uh, bookmark a frequency or a mode or something like that. This one has the ability to also group them up into, uh, groups. So you can set like, I don't know, two meter frequencies or maybe just ham radio frequencies and then broadcast. So you can create a group and then you can add frequencies under that nice part about the saving of those, um, uh, those frequencies inside the frequency manager, it saves your mode and everything else, your filter bandwidths. So everything is saved. So you just basically can click on it the next time and it'll just go right back to that mode and everything else, which is pretty slick. Um, and you can export and import that list. Haven't tried that feature, but it's definitely there. Uh, VFO color. I, I didn't mess with this. Basically has auto color, clear all. I'm assuming you can, uh, you can just color stuff with that for your VFO. Oh, it's for the, the, the frequency dial, the VFO dial, which mine is white right now, which makes sense because it's sitting on top of a black background. Um, the next one is the band plan, uh, which shows what you want to see if you want a band plan to show up at all on your screen. And this will be up in that band scope in the top. 
like right now, mine shows that I'm inside the uh, FM broadcast band. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, and if you're like in a ham band, it'll show amateur radio band or 20 meter amateur radio band, <laughs> you know, two meter. Uh, let's see, I'll go up to 140. There you go. So, uh, yeah, in the 130s, it shows air band voice. Uh, let's go to 144. Two meter ham band is what it says. Go up to 430. Let's see, 440. 70 centimeter ham band. So, yeah, it gives you all the, uh, all the band descriptions and stuff like that in there. You can set it up for your area. Um, the band plans show for like Canada, China, France, general, general LTE, German mobile networks, Germany, Russia, and USA. So you can sort of set it up for your area. I figure that covers most, uh, most band plans. Uh, the next thing is the display, whether or not you want to show the waterfall, um, which is enabled obviously by default, you can just have the band scope up, I guess, if you just want to look at that band scope. It's not uh, terribly exciting to look at all by itself. Um, you can go fast FFT. Uh, I'm not sure what that does. Oh, well, I don't know. It doesn't really change much on my screen. Um, if you're familiar with the... Uh, you know, SDRs and how they, how they work internally and stuff like that. And how, you know, foyer transforms work. You probably understand this way more than I do. I'm just a software user when it comes to this. <laughs> so, uh, I have a clicky button there that says fast FFT and I don't know, it'd make, maybe it makes it faster or something. I don't know. Check, check the, check your documentation. So you understand that, uh, full waterfall update. And then of course it has, uh, for your frame rate for your FFT, the size and uh, window filter, uh, Blackman is what it's set up for here, but uh, has an option of rectangular. Color map is kind of cool because you can change, obviously, what your uh, what your um, uh, waterfall looks like. I just have mine set up to the classic, and it looks classic. So, hey, how about that? <laughs> uh, let's see here. The next one is sinks. Okay, so this is where uh, the rubber hits the road on some systems. Um, this is your audio devices. So sometimes you may want to send your audio elsewhere. Let's say if you're using Windows, you want to send it to like a, uh, a virtual audio cable or something like that. So you can not have it playing in your ear, but you can have it playing to like a piece of software. Let's say like, I don't know, WSJTX or, uh, um, or the DMR decoder. What is it called? DSD plus or something like that. Um, basically allows you to pipe the audio to a specific point. Uh, of course, in my system here, I have the option of uh, pulse audio. So that's what I have. <laughs> I don't have any other audio devices to pipe it to. Uh, so uh, for me, I, I use pulse audio. And then if I want to move it somewhere else, I can use pulse audio to, to create a sync for it and then actually move it around at that point. It also has the ability to change your uh, sampling rate, the 48K versus 44.1 versus 96K, what have you. Um, so if you need to mess around with that because of odd weirdness with your audio bus, um, which some people have that where they can't run at 48K, they got to run at 44.1 or everything, everything blows up. Um, that's an option in there for your syncs, but that's where you're going to set up your audio. You can also go to, uh, to network, which is kind of cool. So you can actually send it off, uh, to a network share. And, uh, yeah, the next one is the theme. The theme is uh, exactly what you probably think it means. 
<laughs> yeah, you have the dark theme, you have a light theme and a gray theme. <clears throat> I'm afraid to try the other theme, so I'm just going to stay on dark um, just because that's what was defaulted, and I don't want to change it. Uh, the next section is module manager. This is basically all the modules that are loaded when you uh, run up the software. Now, this is an opportunity if you did what I did, which is install everything and everything's in here, I could get rid of the stuff that I don't need to load on startup. Like I can get rid of the AirSpy or AirSpy HF. I don't need that stuff. Uh, HackRF, I can get rid of. Pluto, RTL, SDR. Yeah, so you can just kind of clean up what you have there. Now, if you do delete something that you need back, you can add it back, so don't worry about it. But um, in general, if it's working, you don't really have to mess around with that at all. Um, yeah, so that's the module manager. Uh, the next section is the rig, rig control server. Now, I'm going to take a, a breath and talk about this for a second. <laughs> I, I'm actually, I've got a couple of things going on here while you're talking about this, and one of them includes, I think I know why it's broken. Sweet. Um, I'm working well, on doing a build on my other machine while you're talking, and I'm hoping to get that done here before we're done. <laughs> and cool. uh, and maybe even fixed. So we'll see. That would be great. And we can have the notes for that. Yep. Yeah. So uh, so while Russ is doing that, let's go. I'm, I'm almost uh, fully uh, got my oxygen level back up here. Uh, I, I ran out of beer, though. I have to get a beer. But anyway. Um, <laughs> So the rig control server. So this is kind of a neat feature. Um, this basically um, runs uh, rig control for the SDR. And you're thinking, well, what would I need that for? Well, if you want to use it with applications, let's say like, uh, I don't know, WSJTX or, <laughs> or what, does anybody else run any other kind of software? Um yeah, or like um, uh, G-Predict or something like that. You want it to automatically uh, move the rig around for satellite Doppler shift and whatnot. Um, yeah, you could actually set this up. So you set it up, give it a port. Now, if you use rig control a lot, then you'll want to customize that port number. It does have the default port sitting there, the 4532. But uh, you can definitely control that. And then it has a controlled VFO, the radio, controlled recorders, the recorder, blah, blah as a tuning button and you can also have it so it automatically listens on startup so if you start the sdr it'll go ahead and start uh the server <clears throat> so uh so uh yeah i've actually done this and uh i have have ran it against wsjtx and inside of wsjtx it's real simple you basically just say hey connect to rig control rig control server <laughs> you established which uh uh, which IP address and which port number you've established in the configuration. And uh, lo and behold, when you change the band inside of, uh, inside of WSJTX, it changes the band inside of uh, the rig and the, or the, the SDR application and the mode and everything else. So uh, if it has to switch to, uh, you know, if you're using like even FL Digi, I guess, um, you know, and you want to switch modes, it could flip modes for you and, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it works pretty slick. I think that's probably uh, probably the coolest feature. <laughs> if I have to have to compare it against all the other SDR applications that are out there. Um, beyond that, that's pretty much it. There is a debug tab that allows you to kind of see some of the gobbledygook. Um, but I don't really care about that stuff. I just you know, I turn it on and then I just see if my radio works. Oh yeah, got some radio working. Um, yeah, so uh, this is a pretty pretty slick. Now the things I I miss having versus let's say uh, 
because we did talk about SDR Angel um, a while ago now. It's probably, yeah, it's probably a good while ago now. Um, a lot of the decoding stuff and everything else that you're kind of used to is not in this. So you can't, um, like it doesn't even have an RDS decoder for, you know, digital radio, the, the RDS stream. So you can read the little text in the station and stuff like that from FM stations. Um, like inside of SDR Angel, of course, you can decode. I think you can even decode uh, all the WSJT protocols. You can decode uh, DMR <laughs> from it. Uh, it has a bunch of decoders already built in. Now, again, this uh, builds, builds itself as, you know, an SDR platform without any bloat. So I maybe maybe that's enough bloat that they're thinking you know that it is, does have a rig control server. I mean, that's that's a little bit of bloat uh, that it's carrying along with it. But um, but uh, yeah, it works. It works quite well. Um, not any different navigating. Once you have everything kind of configured, you you pretty much unless you're changing modes a lot, you literally can just hit that little hamburger menu on the left, and then you just drive in the drive in the uh, drive in the SDR. Um, and the zoom control is kind of neat too, especially when you're into HF. Now on the on the RTL SDR, I don't get a huge swath of bandwidth, but I can get like the whole band on HF um, in one window. So like if I'm just kind of narrowing down on the voice section, I can zoom it in. I don't have to change my bandwidth or anything else like that. So that feature is kind of really nice when you're using the uh, using the the adjustments on your right hand side. Again, uh, using that those min and maxes. Uh, are pretty good as well for uh adjusting how much uh how much how much uh level of signal you're allowing to pop into the uh, waterfall display it does make quite a bit of difference when you're trying to uh, uh find signals and stuff like that inside the application um let's see i guess i'm going to go back to the notes cuz i kind of went off note here for a few seconds um, actually, I followed all the notes perfectly. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I made the notes based upon how the UI was, uh, was showing itself. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go in the chat room here, see what kind of questions, if any, that we have. Just a warning from Tom about buying knockoff RTL SDRs, but don't they all come from China? So aren't they all sort of knockoffs? i bought mine from amazon so i mean i just you know i'm assuming it's okay i mean because that's what uh, the rtldestr.com people say yeah i think that's the actual link i used i mean i might have it might have been an affiliate link at first but it wasn't when i bought it (laughs) (laughs) but um no it's uh i don't know i mean it works I have a junky one. I like, I have one of the older, older ones when they were really bad knockoffs. Like there was, there was a ton of them. And actually, I think I have one, <laughs> but it doesn't, it didn't have like any other lettering on it and stuff like that. It's the real basic. It's the old uh, DVB uh, style. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but it works too. Um, yeah. I haven't had any, I haven't had any issues with this one. I bought this one a few years ago now, basically when the, the version three came out and, uh, it's worked, you know, pretty flawlessly. I've kind of tucked, tucked it uh, around in a, a 
toolbox for uh, for going out to uh, Jamboree and stuff like that out in West Virginia two times. So <laughs> it survived those trips and sitting out in West Virginia and the in the moisture overnight in the tent there and then you know coming home here in the, the dryness of Montana. So yeah, it, it works pretty good. Um, but yeah, I, I say the software is a uh, if you can get through the installation, which seems to be the, the real barrier to entry, um, I think you'll be quite pleased. I'm going to hit stop on my, just kind of, you know, it is very similar to GQRX. I mean, in general, I just want to, I'm going to bring up GQRX here just so I can see it. And I know that, uh, I know this is a, uh, a podcast and you can't see me doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i'm just gonna i just yeah because it comes up in dark mode too here i'm just gonna hit play and i'm gonna bring it down to uh where was that 97.1 some hip-hop radio or something here in good old montucky yeah i mean they're very similar see with gqrx it's basically a very similar display everything is on the right hand side they've got some tabbed controls but in general, everything, you know, you do have some more filtering options here, I think, uh, including some extra DSP stuff. So this is some of the stuff that you, that you don't, you don't have an SDR plus plus, like you don't have a noise blanker. Um, you don't have any kind of like, you know, manageable noise blanker. You don't have any notch filters. You don't have any of that stuff, probably because it's still a little early in the software's lifespan. Um, they haven't quite added all that stuff yet. I know it. I know that they're probably thinking about it because I mean they're talking about DSPs in the channel all the time. And we would love to have the author on here to talk about it some more. Um, and uh, he's in Belgium, so. Uh, but I noticed he was working all day today. <laughs> Maybe he's he's living the East Coast life or East, uh, you know, uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. time zone life uh, with all his users and stuff like that. But then again, he's just trying to get that that uh, 1.0.4 build out, so he's frantically uh, frantically uh, working on that. But I do see you know a lot of people joining that that Discord channel on a daily basis, kind of probably you know doing the same thing we are, kind of interested in the software, checking it out, trying to understand it better. Um, and he is uh, he has dual call signs. He does have. Uh, call sign in the U.S. as well. Uh, yeah, K-E-8-S-U-O, U-I, sorry, K-E-8-S-U-I and O-N-5-R-Y-Z is, uh, is uh, yeah, him. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? He's on the uh, on the GitHub page. Oh, I'm hiding my screen here. You're talking about Alexander? Uh, or Ale- yeah, Alexander Roma. Yes. This all makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and his, his handle in the channel is, uh, Rise Earth. I'm sure, I'm pretty certain that's him. Yeah. Cause like the, the icon's the same and stuff like that. His little avatar is the same. So he goes by Rise Earth. If you, uh, get into the, uh, into the discords over there on the SDR plus plus channel, um, they have a few little helplines and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, since we're on discord as well, kind of like try to join some of the other discord communities, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're just basically looking, if you have any questions, 
If you have any questions in the chat room, which I think everybody's asleep over there, because well, you know, I can talk a little bit UI about my stuff. problem. Oh, sweet! Let's talk about your problem. Okay, so do we need a, do we need a psychologist in here or something? <laughs> or? <laughs> No, those are my issues, not my problems. Oh, issues. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I got it confused. Right. So it turns out after reading a very, 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 very long thread <laughs> about this hash conflict error that, believe it or not, it was a bug in Hamlib. It was fixed in 4.0-7 of Hamlib. I was running 4.0-4. Four which yeah. is the default in her suit and in bullseye. It's in unstable, but yeah. so I downloaded and installed the 4.07 directly from Debian and overwrote my hirsute and my bullseye installs with that version. And it magically works. So oh. there you go. <laughs> oh, but you're a happy panda now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like now I can catch up. Oh wait, now uh, what were we working on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I I've tried to uh it built on both machines and when using the proper version or the fixed version of Hamlib, whether it's the package install or the build version, they both work fine. So that that was the issue. And I, I honestly did not figure that Hamlib was going to be the cause of the problem or that they had actually seen the problem, addressed it, and released a patch. <laughs> so uh, all good news, I guess. But just keep that in mind. If you're ver- running a version of Hamlib that's lower than 4.0-7, uh, just realize you may run into this problem. So... You know, the usual. So fixes. they're going to have to download a deb for that or build it out manually. That's correct. Which way did you do? Yep. Which way did you do it? Uh, I just downloaded the debs directly. Oh, so there are debs available for it? Yes, there are. If you do, if you do, you know, go just do a Google for Debian Hamlib debs and go to the packages. Just look for the ones under Bullseye that say 4.0-7 and download. I, there are four of them on my machine. Uh, let me see what they are here exactly. They are libhamlib-dev, libhamlib-utils, libhamlib4, and python3-hamlib. And they all have to be 4.0-7 or higher. So there you go. So definitely build that out <laughs> before <laughs> you try uh, installing a dev. I guess it really doesn't matter time-wise, right? You can uh, Either way, it will work. Um, right, you but, can do it yeah, afterwards. You just, you'll just before, run into but... that. Uh, you'll just run into the error or whatever it is that you ran into. Yep. Hash collision. Fatal error. The fatal error. So cool. So yeah, so if you have those uh, systems and uh, you now know what happens when you run into that. Um, cool. So anything else that you can think of that uh, we didn't mention? So the question in the chat room was from uh, from. Uh, Tony, he was asking whether or not it's other sources. Yeah, I did mention it as other sources besides uh, RTLSDR. Uh, does uh, AirSpy, AirSpy HF Plus, HackRF, Pluto SDR, um, both of the RTLSDR types, uh, the TCP and just the straight device, uh, Soapy SDR, which exposes a bunch of other devices. So if you're not covered with all that stuff, uh, Soapy SDR might have you covered uh, within that driver. 
Again, um, if you use Soapy, it'll be a little bit muted in uh, features, so your mileage may vary. As well, it also has Spy Server, which I believe is the, is that the RSPs or maybe that's, I don't know. Anyway, so you know what that is if you have one of those devices. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't. I have the cheapy dongle, so I don't have to worry about it. So, uh, yeah. So that, hope that answers your question. That was Don. Sorry. KC9ZMY was asking that question. Uh, and then let's see. Tom asks, well, what platform for the new RTL SD, RTL software? What platform? I don't know what you mean by that, Tom. It, it's um, cross-platform. It, it runs on everything. You can. Yes. It's it has a Windows release, uh, several Linux releases, and apparently it will run under Brew on a Mac if you want to do that. And you can also build it for Pi. So yes, and it runs great on Arch, Arch, Arch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with a slight tweak, it runs great on Debian and Ubuntu too. <laughs> yeah, slight slight caveat. Make sure uh, make sure you follow that. So, where did you find that? I was on their wiki, or was that, oh uh, no no no? It was it was in uh, several threads. <laughs> what, oh, it actually okay. it started in a thread on Cube SD, or yeah Cube SDR or Cube SDR, one of the two, because oh, apparently okay, it had the yeah. same problem because it was based in Hamlib. And then after much debugging in that thread, it got pushed over to the Hamlive dev team with Debian, and they were the ones who fixed it. So, ah, so this might actually come out in some eventual patch because it's a it's a bug issue. Yeah, it's already been patched in the repo. But it's the repo. It's the what's the repo version? The repo version. The repo version says if you if you go to the dev and and look and see what version Bullseye has, it says four point oh seven. But for some oh, reason, my mean, system has had 4.04, so I don't know what the deal there was. But. Interesting. Yeah. So it has already been fixed, and if you're running your latest, you know, just upgrade or whatever, you should have the right version. But you had the same problem in Hersuit, right? Yes, because Hersuit has the bullseye devs. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's starting to come together now here. Okay. Yep. <laughs> So it was suffering from the same issue. Exactly. And that's why I didn't see that problem in LTS, because LTS apparently didn't have that problem. Didn't have that issue, right. Yeah. So if you're running the LTS builds, you probably won't have any issues. You'll be able to go right, like I said, when I uh, installed uh, it on uh, elementary OS, uh, Odin 6, it uh, it worked fine, just perfectly. That's just everything else I wanted to install, and it didn't work well. <laughs> That's <laughs> why it did. Why it didn't hang around. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, th- I think that covers everything with the software. I mean, really, the the rest of it is just using it, um, which it it works great. I mean, you know, it does exactly what I would expect it to do, uh, comparative to everything else. Um, again, the the odd part is is like you know you you if you wanted to do a little extra, you're going to use some you know offboard software to do it. Like if you want to decode DMR, you're going to use that 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 DMR decoder on the side, you won't have those as modules or plug-in modules that you can actually run your interface much like SDR Angel has. But I think SDR Angel is kind of like the full, you know, you know, the full kitchen sink is in there. You know, they got everything. That's probably why it's so hard to build. <laughs> did you However, go over, on Arch, it's a one-click install. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was doing a lot of reading. So did you go over setting up direct sampling? Yeah, on this one, it's a, just a drop-down. Oh, excellent. 
So yeah, so on this uh, for direct sampling, like right now, I'm on. Don't move. I'm on FM. If I uh, if I switch it to uh, direct sampling Q branch, it doesn't change the frequency. But then all of a sudden, I can go down here to uh, you know seven megahertz, and let's see, we'll go down to seven. Was it seventy four? Oh, seventy four, and then we'll turn it on uh, some uh, USB. Oh yes. Lovely, Lovely FT8. FT8. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it works. Uh, it works just like you would think. And I'm actually, let's see, I'll find a regular signal so you can see what humans sound like on here. Oh, I think I found something else besides humans. Oh, this is all broadcast stuff right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 40 meters. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. There's no humans talking at this. This is all AM, so I bet you if I go to AM, I could... There's an LSB signal. Yeah, so... There you go. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So works uh, works like it should. That's uh, in direct sampling. Q branch is the the selected option, and uh, yeah, works works fine. Even looks pretty good. You know, again, I can mess around with those uh, that waterfall. How much signal I was getting into the waterfall, so it really kind of sharpens up the uh, the picture of the signal. And I'll uh, I'll just put a just kind of a quick screenshot into the. Uh, well, I guess I can only put it into the the. General channel, <laughs> what that looks like, because this box I can't get Discord running on it. Of course, I have the same problem on my Fedora box that Discord does not like running on it, but Telegram runs great. Um, so yeah, so I will uh, just quickly uh, post that in there so you guys can enjoy that. Um, send. So yeah, on the bottom of that screen, you can see when I flipped uh, um, into forty meters, I was basically blasting out so it was all white <laughs> on the <laughs> on the uh on the uh um waterfall oh, whatever yeah. you call it. waterfall yeah that was it. sorry um yeah so it was all white on the waterfall so i was able to lower that down and and be able to see you know the blue the actual background of the signal and stuff like that so i could actually pick out uh, the stuff a little bit better but anyway your mileage will vary i'm sure um but yeah you can see in that display it's it's Pretty slick, pretty straightforward. You can see the the little things on there. It says forty meter ham band, and then it says shortwave broadcast out to the right there. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty slick. I think uh, you know for your casual R, you know SDR user, you know much like what I am, uh, you probably enjoy this software. It's pretty fast. It loads up super quick. Uh, at least on my machine, it loads up really quick. Um, and yeah, it works. So uh, that's it. That's SDR plus plus. Go give it a try and. Uh, check it out all right fantastic well that is cool and now that i've got my problem fixed i can actually like use it and contribute to this conversation in the future i suppose but in the meantime this is our deep dive episode and at the end of which we put our feedback that we've had over the last couple of weeks and we do actually have some so i'll go ahead and do the first one here and then we'll let cheryl do one and then bill can cover the last two because i think that's kind of the way this is supposed to go <laughs> uh, i did talk about this first one in the episode that came out after the last deep dive because it was an email that was about 
the last deep dive, but I'll go ahead and read what he actually said here so you have all of the details. This came from Bill, WC3B, who we found out today was N, was N3JIX, and he was part of the, or is part of the ICQ podcast team, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, ICQ podcast, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for jumping in there. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> When I heard the dead air, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, was that a question? She- <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I guess I, I didn't raise my voice quite as much at the end as I had hoped. Yeah, Bill uh, Barnes, yeah, yeah, ICQ podcast. Right, excellent. So what he sent me, and this this I actually received via RF on WinLink. So that was cool to actually get this information that way. Uh, he says, spam, spam, spam. <laughs> Need the special phrase in the subject to get unsolicited email in WinLink. I've only ever used stroke, stroke, WL2K space R stroke. But there are other priorities from the help file. And the help file is apparently in a wiki somewhere called message precedence and spam control. I don't know if it's actually in a wiki or something, but it's on the WinLink website. Precedence indicators control the order in which messages get processed and sent across slow radio network links, like the WinLink system. It also includes a mechanism to block spam, unwanted and unexpected mail, like you have to define what spam is. I'm pretty sure everyone knows at this point. Uh, From the system, precedence categories are Flash, Z or Zeta or Zulu or whatever, Immediate, Oscar, Priority, Papa, and Routine, Romeo. Flash and immediate messages are reserved for highly urgent messages. Unless there is some special circumstance or urgency, routing precedence R, Romeo, should always be used. R is the default if omitted. The precedence indicator is included in a willing message by adding one of the following to the subject line. We already talked about that. Whether originated from internet email or from a winlink address. Uh, 7-3, day bill. WC3B. And we gave you all the information, but that's the, the full-fledged explanation straight from Winlink and from Bill of the ICQ podcast. So thanks for that information once again. And if you're using Winlink, just keep that in mind. If you want to send somebody a message who has not already whitelisted you. So there you go. And we'll bring Cheryl in here to read the next one. All righty then. Our next one is email from James, K5JTB. So thanks for thinking of me and replying. I sure didn't expect to hear you reading my email on the show. Not complaining, just expressing surprise. I've listened to this podcast since the Richard era. I appreciate the current format. The Linux topics are over my head, but I'm learning. And that's what we hope. We hope somebody is getting something out of all of this. (laughs) So uh, thanks, James. And hopefully you're not as surprised to hear us reading this email as you were hearing us read the first one. So <laughs> I, I thought we've made it clear over the years that if you send us an email, unless you put in the email not to read it, we read it. So, <laughs> I mean, we do, we do use some discretion if there's, you know, personal information or anything like that, we won't read that. But if, generally speaking, if it's of interest to the public in some way, it gets read unless you say no. So, well, and sometimes we drag our feet on reading them because we forget. Well, yes, there's always that. Yeah, there's always that. <laughs> and, and maybe he's brought up a good point. Maybe you should maybe start over again. Start over not, again. Not start over, but occasionally do some more getting started with Linux. Here, let us help you out things. I know we have the videos. The- yes, and we are going to be doing a lot more of those. Um, and we will be covering introductory topics again. It's nice to be able to have that as a supplement using a video format so people get uh, the ability to learn 
auditorily and visually. And I think we'll reserve the YouTube channel for going back and covering early topics and then just sort of plow on with the podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. So, all right, Bill, these last two are for you because they're about your first and second releases of your Fedora builds. Yes, the YouTube comments. So we got two YouTube comments here. We got one from W6BZY, and he says, have, I don't know it's he, but whatever, uh, have been running Linux in my shack since your Ubuntu videos. Last week, I too installed Fedora 34 on my main machine. You should do more videos. Well, we are. <laughs> However, they might not be Fedora 34 for very much longer. But, uh, yeah, um, I do. I have one more in the can, and uh, I just got to edit the tail end of that. But the, the 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 new tail end is a completely different system. So that <laughs> might not be very effective. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, stay on the channel and uh, and keep watching. We'll, uh, we're going to throw some more content out there. I'm going to try to do some more uh more uh active stuff on there as well and i think russ said he is too so it's gonna be double whammy on the youtube channel uh let's see a youtube comment here from oh from the same guy w6 bezay wide i guess he's just gonna comment everywhere uh looking forward to more videos especially compiling you should add grid tracker to your build um yeah Mm, that that video (laughs) with with the grid tracker install will probably come from me because i actually use it bill (laughs) yeah it's only because i I only use a single screen on that computer so i mean i could probably do a grid tracker using it remotely on a different screen or something like that because i don't have that one dual headed but the new box actually is dual headed so (laughs) so who knows i might might be able to put grid tracker on here i have you know 32 gigs of ram so i can almost run it um without performance loss uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh did i say that no wait never mind um yeah so uh my other system uh, too was like uh yeah the mid mid 2011 mac mini uh i5 it's pretty slow i mean this fan starts spinning up pretty quick on it uh, when i even run sdr <laughs> software on it um uh, so running that that on top of decoding um really plagued the system with uh you know being able to decode at uh at a d- decent rate I do an FD8 and stuff like that. So, um, I generally don't run it and, um, it doesn't provide any information for me that's useful for how I use, uh, WSJTX. Um, but that's just me. It's just a use case. I don't really have a use case for it. Um, but yeah, you know, Rust uses it all the time and, and actually starts contacts with it and stuff like that. And I understand that's what it can be used for, but, I, I don't use it and never used it for that. So, so yeah, you probably won't see a grid tracker on my system unless it's just for uh, giggles. And uh, I guess, oh, you gave me a name there, Kenneth Hendrickson. So it's Kenneth Hendrickson, W6BZY. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put more videos out there. Expect some Arch videos now that the uh, Arch system is alive and breathing, at least until the next update when it crashes and burns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that box is probably, I mean, this box is probably powerful enough to actually uh, record from the box instead of like, I can't do that through, uh, on the, on the little Mac mini. <laughs> it just can't run OBS and everything else and it just dies. Uh, but yeah, yeah, expect more. We're going to do more. We're going to, going to start doing some more content up there for you. Thank you. Yes. Very good. And thanks everybody for the feedback. We appreciate it. And that actually takes us down to the end of the show. So we want to thank everybody who is here in the chat room listening. Uh, and those of you who are listening to the show without being in the chat room, I imagine there's a few of you out there as well. 
Uh, we really appreciate you guys being here, asking your questions, and uh, giving us information and feedback while we're doing the show live. We appreciate it. The folks we had tonight that we are sure of are Tony K4XSS, Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, Tom and for hi Darren VK60K. So uh, we're still waiting for Tom to change his call sign, so we can't do that anymore. But until then, <laughs> you can expect James Brown at every turn. Absolutely. With that, I guess we are done. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening and downloading. And for those who support us financially, extra special thanks for that, for helping us keep the lights on. Please send us feedback if you have any, if you have questions or comments about the shows or need any additional information about using Linux in your ham shack. We try and answer all of those questions. And uh, if not, we will try and refer you to the people who are better equipped to answer those questions than we are because, you know, that happens sometimes. But with that, let's go ahead and get on out of here, and we hope you uh, have a great week or so before the next episode comes out, and uh, we'll talk to you then. This has been episode number 431 of Linux in the Hamshack, our deep dive into SDR++. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonisms.